This Cap Times podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Learn more at exactsciences.com. I think people take themselves much too seriously. That's the whole thing with recipes. You're taking the recipe too seriously. You're taking the outcome of this dinner too seriously. Think about like your guests, they don't really care if your steak's not medium rare. Corner Table, a podcast about food and drink in Madison, Wisconsin, produced by the Capital Times. I'm Lindsay Christians. And I'm Chris Lay. More than just about any other social media app, Instagram has had a very real effect on the way that we interact with food, which is not to say that it's been changed for the better. Lord knows that I've snapped my fair share of pics from the dinner table, making sure to choose just the right filter while my cheese gets increasingly gummy. During the pandemic, though, Instagram has become a hive of cooking activity. You can taste along with Andrea from Square Wine Company or cook along with chefs from all over the place. One of my favorite things to do lately is check out what Kevin Wilson is making tonight. Heavy Kevy, as he's known on the gram, is not a chef. He's not a brand ambassador or an influencer or an ad rep for anything. Uh, He's just a dude who likes to cook and he makes videos about it and they're kind of great. I truly invited Kevin onto this podcast because I wanted to know more of his story. Why does he say to salt the meat like an icy sidewalk? How did he get so good at cooking outdoors? Where the heck is his accent from? Answers to all of this are coming up right here. Give a listen. Welcome, Kevin. Wait, actually, should I call you Kevy or Kevin? Call me Kevin. Call me Kevin. Kevin. Wait. Okay. Definitely welcome, Kevy. All right, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, so I don't know how I happened onto your Instagram, but I very quickly became a neither. With it. But I, I was wondering, you you have a very specific accent in your videos. Can you tell us a little bit first of all about where you're from? Well, I'm from all over the great United States of America. Okay. Um, I'd say, you know, if you had to pinpoint the accent, uh Philadelphia. Long Island. Got it. How long have you lived in Madison? Uh, it's 2020, right? Uh, so two years almost. Two years. Oh. Two years in fall. Yeah. My. Uh, so if you watch my videos, you might you might hear me say like my off camera uncredited assistant. Uh, it's actually uh, a little known fact. That's my wife. It's my lovely wife, who is a great inspiration and a huge part of everything I do actually. And you know, it's a, it's a joke between us. Okay. She, she does not no interest in being on camera. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, she, uh, is a, a plant breeder UW. Oh, nice. Yeah. And that's what brought you here. Correct. Correct. So how long have you been cooking and why did you choose the name heavy Kevy? <laughs> well, uh, you know, cooking, right. Is totally essential part of humans uh living right uh you know my i'm the youngest of three brothers my father would feed us steaks like animals three five times a week like uh you ever been to the san francisco zoo and it's feeding time for the lions that was like that was like our house uh so you know outdoor cooking grilling ingrained in me from a very early age 
My mom was also cooking all the time. Uh, that's the first time I actually really started cooking was I took over pancakes from my mom. I was like, no, okay, I got this. Very specific batter texture, grilled cheese and quesadillas. And again, youngest of three brothers. So my older brothers would come home. They'd be, you know, from the bars. They'd have their friends. They'd wake me up. Kevy, uh, can you make us some quesadillas? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that was right? So. So for little you, it's like they're including you. And for them, it's like we get food. Yeah, exactly. Mutually <laughs> beneficial. Exactly. Yeah. Symbiotic uh, relationship, I think they call it. Yeah. And how long have you been doing the Heavy Kevy 24 Instagram accounts? Yeah. Well, so, so how did I get that name? My brother gave it to me because uh, I grew up, I was an athlete, uh, played soccer, ran track, very good shape. I played in college uh, soccer and then I stopped and I stopped. <laughs> I stopped. I stopped playing. I did not stop eating, right? Because when you're an athlete, like uh, Tyson Gay, for instance, talks about like going to freaking, or Justin Gatlin talks about going to like McDonald's and eating McDonald's. He's an Olympian, right? And when you're working out every day, I can eat my quesadillas and my grilled cheese. I don't even feel it. Eat a whole loaf of bread, a gallon of milk, no problem, right? You stop, get a little older, it's like a car crash, okay? So I ballooned. I literally, literally, so I'm playing soccer, my playing weight, 185, 190. Within one year of stopping, I topped out at like 245. That is a lot in a single year. Yeah. Yeah. So Heavy Kevy was the, the nicer nickname. The less nice one was just couch. <laughs> that, is, that is significantly less nice. Yes. About yeah. brothers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Older brother. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So I I wonder what role cooking. You don't look like you weigh that anymore. No, no, I don't. No, I don't. Okay. Got it under control. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Did cooking play a role in that? Yes. Absolutely. So, because like yeah, in college, I mean. You know, and I, I taught like, yeah, grilled cheese, pancakes, like quesadillas when I was younger. In college, um, it was mostly, yeah, eating out, terrible food. Uh, I do have my best friend from college who is from Philadelphia. Yeah, he's a chef. Uh, he lives in New Hampshire now. Uh, him and I would do a lot of like grilling and stuff in college, but still like, you know, it's mostly just crap food. And my off-camera uncredited assistant, a.k.a. my wife, uh, great influence. Uh, and that's one of the things I talk about a lot in my videos. You know, I will sometimes, I get a little carried away a lot. And one of the things that really gets me carried away is like, you know, uh, impossible foods and stuff like that. Because, uh, yeah, and it's fine. And I don't want to judge what anybody does. That's not what I'm about at all. My My whole point though, is that vegetables are like really beautiful things and you treat them right and you get them with the right spices and the right cooking preparation. And you can have something that is so savory and so filling and so delicious. Why do you need a fake burger? 
when, you know, you can roast a cabbage to absolute perfection and have that over lentils, right? Yeah, you know, and, and just cooking every day, almost every day, instead of eating out, you just, you're gonna, you're gonna feel better. You're gonna lose weight. You have some pro techniques that I noticed in a lot of your videos. Did you cook professionally? No, self-taught. Self-taught. Okay, so part of the reason I ask this is because in in one of them, you're like, salt your meat like a sidewalk. You know, salt it like a sidewalk. Like a city sidewalk. Like a city sidewalk, right. Which, like, all I can think about is Wisconsin winter, and then my brain starts to melt a little bit. But (sighs) it's fine. We're fine. Everything's great. Um, Totally fine. (laughs) But that made me think about two things. One, uh, it felt kind of like a catchphrase a little bit because I heard it a few times, but then also, and I thought about like video chefs having a catchphrase like bam or whatever, EVOO or I don't know. I don't watch enough food TV. That was one thing. Like, do you think video chefs need a catchphrase if they are to be successful on camera? And B, why is it important to salt that way? Well, uh, I think that, yeah, catchphrases are definitely helpful. Um, (laughs) because they stick out people can remember it it's something that off the top of their head they can just say like i people dm me that kind of stuff like all the time you know and like hello like people love that one um yeah assault it like a city sidewalk they love to like dm me that's fun that's the whole reason i do it so yeah that can definitely help and why do you salt your meat like that uh to make it taste good Yeah. Uh, you know, and especially so like when you got like a thick piece of steak, you got to understand that like you're just salting the edge, the crust, right? Like it, it's not really going to penetrate, especially so in my, the steak technique, the steak method is not, I don't, I don't do like a pre-brine with like a steak, like I would with like a pork shoulder or something. I, it's, it's sitting in there unsalted until right before it goes on. So that's why you just like, throw a ton, you know, and then even still maybe some after the fact, maybe like a little, you know, mauled on smoke salt or something, which is really good. So there is a, there's a tone in some of the, some of the Instagram posts that sounds like you're trying to help people get over their fear of cooking, like that people are nervous. They're going to screw it up. And so I, it's interesting to me to hear that you're self-taught because that it comes from a place of, of confidence, but also like love of it. Right. And I, I wondered if you could talk more about your philosophy around that. Yeah, that's a huge, a huge element. I screw up all the time. <laughs> I'm always messing stuff up. I'm always burning stuff. And it's still tasting good. It's still tasting fine, you know? And it's like humans from the beginning of time, the way that we learn things is through pain and failure. That's how we learn. That's how we learn things. And, and I think honestly, one of the biggest problems in 2020 and today all over the world is people run from pain and failure. And of course you do that. I mean, it's natural. Nobody wants pain. Nobody wants to fail. I still, I get pissed when I burn something. I do get pissed, you know, I'm not happy about it, but you just kind of forget it and move on and, and, and use it as a lesson. And that's the only way that you do get good. That's And that's my whole goal. Like whenever I try to cook something, I just try to do it better than I did it the last time. That's it. Yeah. This idea of throwing the recipe away or like not throwing it away, but like looking at it, reading it all the way through and then putting it aside. 
a lot of the chefs that I interview, I talk to a lot of chefs and they don't like to use recipes. Like they'll have like their weight measures or some, sometimes things like that so they can teach their other cooks or whatever, but they cook by feel and taste, right? But that's a, that's a place that you get to after you've got some recipe training wheels for a while. I think. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, I got a bunch of recipe books and I love them and they're great. And it's super helpful, you know, to just be thinking about why certain things are, I'm looking at them right now. That's why, um, why certain things are, are done that way. Uh, and then you try them and then maybe you make a change and, and see how that change affected the end product. But there's tons, there's reams and reams and reams of knowledge and it's silly to try to throw that away. Right. And just like you, you have to start somewhere. Like, I don't know, you know, like when I, when I, like, if I have a dish, like, you know, like tagine or something, I don't, I'm not Moroccan. I don't know how to cook tagine. <laughs> how am I going to figure that out? Yeah. Right. So I'm going to look at some recipes. I'm going to read what people say, see the reviews. Maybe I'll find a video, somebody talking about it. Uh, think about what seems cool and what doesn't. And then try it. And then, yeah, get to a point where I don't look at that recipe ever again. And I just know. And, you know, like, that's another thing that I really recommend. You hear me talking about Raleigh's Hillside Farm a lot. A CSA is a great way to cook more at home for numerous reasons. You're supporting local business and agriculture. You're getting fresh, beautiful vegetables. But also, you're not sitting there with like, you know, totally a priori figuring out what the heck you're going to cook from nothing, blank slate. That's so hard. And that's how you end up ordering pizza, you know? But when you've got like these beautiful uh, beets, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to do some of the beets. I'm going to start there. And, you know, that's the, that's the germ of the idea. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you got to have recipes. And then, and then you build the intuition, you build that skill set. Yeah. It kind of evolves every time that you, you make it because you're, you know, getting further and wake and making it your own. Is that sort of. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, vast majority of the videos that I've seen of yours are you cooking outside, like even in, you know, winter in the snow and, (laughs) you know, when it's like 30 degrees and wanted to know what, what your setup is and what, what are the, the things that you like to cook things that like, I guess should be cooked outside on a grill that you just can't get any other way. Yeah. Uh, I've always loved cooking outside. I still love it. I mean, especially now in the pandemic when you're inside so often, like anything I can do to get outside is great. And Mm -hmm. I'm cooking, you know, I mean, that's kind of like my meditation really is like doing some cooking and just getting into the flow of cooking. And then I'm like way less stressed. I'm just feeling good and I'm excited I made something. So I've got a couple th- I got I did get a new toy recently too. Uh, I got the black the Blackstone, the Blackstone flat top, 28 inch uh, pro series. It's a Walmart exclusive. I braved the crowds at Walmart <laughs> to get it. The pro series has a cover, it has a paper towel rack, it has a trash can holder, magnetic uh, strip. For your utensils so anyways very stoked on the flat top it's it's an incredible way to cook and just get so much flavor you know and great things to put on that smash burgers obviously i, I say smash burger yeah yeah 
everyone's making smash burgers these days and it's mm-hmm. not it's not a mystery why they are <laughs> it's not a they're mystery. delicious i they're like the totally cream. delicious yeah exactly yeah and you do it on a flat top all that grease is just there it's just it's staying there all the flavor is staying there right you're not losing it i don't really even like burgers on grills regular grills i've never really liked them they're always kind of dried out i don't know i don't know put it on a flat top so yeah and then the other thing that i really like to do on the flat top i mean and i'm i've just got it i love it already uh but is carne asada so i spent a lot of time in san diego california which is like the capital of burritos and the king of burritos in San Diego is the California burrito, which is carne asada, French fries, cheese. You can do sour cream or guacamole. You can do that. It's not required. You can do it if you want. And hot sauce. Hot sauce. It's like a, a watery, peppery, not too smoky salsa mm-hmm. that, that you put on it. And it's totally, totally tremendous. Like out of control. The best. Uh, because you know, like you go to Northern California and try to have a burrito and it's just like, it's just like a greasy Chipotle burrito. I like, like rice and beans and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't belong in a burrito. In my opinion, a, a burrito needs to be like way easier to eat and cleaner. And that's what the California burrito is. So anyways, the way that they cook the carne asada at these taco shops in San Diego is on the flat top. Uh, and so that's one of the main reasons I got the flat top was to try to recreate uh, that carne asada. And um, I was very happy with my last iteration of it on the flat top. Yeah, Lindsay, actually, we were talking about questions to ask and kind of you know preparing for this. She specifically had a thing underlined, like we're gonna ask about the famous carne asada. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I did, because there's, it's one, it's in one of your videos. You like open up the top of the grill and the carne asada is just in there. And I was like, oh my God, that feels almost pornographic. Like <laughs> truly, uh, it was cool though. But I, but I, I feel, I feel like those are the kinds of things where, okay, as a cook myself, I often get nervous if I'm cooking something that costs a lot of money and you go to the conscious carnivore. I love the conscious carnivore. I don't go as often as I might because it's they charge what they're worth, yeah. right? Yeah. So, I mean, how 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 did you sort of get to the place where you were like, yeah, I'm going to do large format meat? And if because earlier you were like, yeah, sometimes I screw it up and it's frustrating, but I move on. Like, did you practice on cheaper food? <laughs> like, how did you how did you negotiate that? Yeah. No, not really. <laughs> Uh-uh. The cow died for me. I spend a lot of money on food. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say I've definitely seen a bunch of like you know wagyu and things in your. <laughs> yeah, I go nuts. I go crazy at, at Conscious Carnivore. I I hate that I can't go in. They do a great job making their Instagram videos though. Um, but you know, I mean, and meat, big meat, is something that I I've literally like my whole life. I've been watching it being cooked. So it's something where, you know, I've spent a lot of time kind of watching it and understanding it. And so I feel really generally comfortable with it, you know, and it's just like one thing I do say a lot is, and I didn't come up with this, it's if you're looking, it's not cooking. And that's one of the big things with big format meat. It's you just kind of make sure you got 
the fire right and everything, but then just kind of trust it. Leap of faith. You got it. You know, that like positive visualization and actualization, it's real. It's real. <laughs> if you envision the perfect carne asada, you're much more likely to get there than if you're, oh, this is going to suck. Oh my God. It's like, yeah, no, this, this grill sucks. This meat's terrible. And you're thinking like that. You kind of, you kind of get there. I think. This podcast is brought to you by exact sciences. Join the Madison based team working to lead earlier cancer detection. Visit exactsciences.com to view the company's hundreds of open jobs. Do you have a preference between charcoal or gas or wood or what's your, do you change it up for different meats or veggies that you're grilling? What's your, uh, your general approach? Is that question a trap? Are you trying to trap me? I'm not trying to trap okay. anybody. I'm just, I'm, you know, I mean, if, if, if this ends up, you know, going viral with, with, with some hot takes, you know, <laughs> then. <laughs> Natural hardwood charcoal. Only, only that's all, that's all I mess with. I, I would love to do some like real full on wood. It's kind of hard to like source that. I haven't really messed with it. That'd be great. Uh, but yeah, natural hardwood charcoal only. I do not like gas grills. I do not like them. The flat top has gas and that's fine. I'm fine with that because the flavor is coming uh, from the flat top, from the surface. Whereas with the grill, of course, so much of the flavor is coming from what you're cooking it on. Mm -hmm. uh, and when you, like, when you do gas, I mean, it's fine. Like, yeah, like I've had great meals off gas. Like one of the carne asadas that Lindsay mentioned, that was off a gas grill. I was in Austin for my brother's birthday and he requested carne asada. So that's a popular thing for people request that I make carne asada. Like uh, my wife's little brother for his graduation, his high school graduation was like, make me carne asada. I made him carne asada. Um, so you can get it done on a gas grill. It's fine, but you're just losing so much. And that's, it's a, it's a huge part too, of the whole thing of like the intuition and getting the feel for cooking, starting the charcoal, looking at the charcoal, spreading it out, right. Smelling it, being outside with it, putting the meat on it. It's just, you're just not going to get close with like that to flavor like charcoal. When you use gas, you're just not. So my partner is the griller in our family and he has tried, you know, using like he does different kinds of briquettes. And I feel like, is it the natural hardwood charcoal that is, it burns faster and it's hotter than like a regular lump briquette? Is that right? Well, it's misshapen. It's, so it's like, there's all sorts of different shapes. And so there's, okay. more, there's more variability. There's more variability um, for sure than a briquette. Okay. Yeah. But in, in many in many cases, it can last longer. Oh, well, that's interesting. I so I feel like you give a lot of shout outs to your ingredients. You talk about Raleigh's Hillside Farm. You talk yeah. about Conscious Carnivore and Alimentari. Yeah. Do you have any other sort of favorite spots to shop locally, and why? Yeah, I mean those those do cover a lot of bases for me. Um, those three. Uh, trying to think. There's also. I mean. I, I live here on the east side. I go to Jenny Street and the co-op as well a lot. Other than that, I mean, oh, I like to go out. It's not really la that local, but uh, the Car Valley outlet in Mazamani. How the hell you pronounce that? I have no idea. But 
Maisel Maisel love that place oh my god I just go nuts get so many kinds of cheeses they're so cheap such a good price they last forever they're like shrink wrapped I've still I got a bunch in my drawer right now I like all that and when the farmers markets are more open I like to go to farmers markets that's what my my wife was a farmer before she was a plant breeder so that's that's definitely important to us and there's some nice there's some nice uh like ethnic markets here too in Madison. Um, there's some, you know, some nice Mexican markets where you can, where you can get some cool ingredients, some nice Asian markets where you can get some cool ingredients. So I like to do that. What I wish Madison had is like a really cool spice shop. Like my friend that I mentioned was a chef in Chicago before he moved to New Hampshire and he, he'd pick up all sorts of fun stuff from Epic Spices in Chicago. And Kevin, what do you want? And send it to me and I get little little gift packages of very fun spices. Yeah, one of the biggest bummers of the, you know, quarantine and covid and whatnot. Out of all of the bummers is that you know, the the Willie Street Co-op they had to close up their their spices, their uh, all, all their dry bins, which has been a, you know. Oh yeah. Yeah. <sighs> um can you talk a little bit about your history with bike packing? And what do you like, what do you eat when you're, when you're doing that? Cause obviously you got to get a lot of calories and, you know, doing all that. So that was, yeah, that was my wife and I just got married. We got married uh, a few weeks ago via judge Kloppenberg, lovely judge, great judge, really great judge. Did it in our friend's backyard, just our friends and uh, zoomed in the family. And, uh, we wanted to go bikepacking for, for our honeymoon because like, I, uh, like originally our honeymoon ideas were either like Scandinavia, there's, you know, Favakin, Magnus, the chef, it's closed now, mm. but like, yeah, we, we really yeah, yeah. wanted to go there. Love that guy. I love that guy. He's got one, talk about catchphrases, my favorite from him, you know, progress for the sake of progress is pointless. I love that. I love that. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. He is literally the sweetest chef. Yeah, he is very sweet. <laughs> I agree. So we, we wanted to do that, or we wanted to go to like Oaxaca, because my wife does corn. We love tortillas. We love Mexican food. Mexican food, if I had a name favorite of cuisine, it'd probably it'd Mexican or Italian, probably. Um so we want to do that, but let's, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you heard, it's like 2020, it's like uh, there's a pandemic or something. I don't know, some kind of, some kind of sickness going around. So we, <laughs> we also do love to camp. Uh, so I got a bike from Revolution Cycles. This is my first time bike camping. So, okay, like you're not, I don't, I'm not an expert. Uh, it was actually the first couple of days were a total freaking disaster. Okay. Like total disaster. Like we got up there, the hotel was closed. We got like for the night, we just didn't have a place to sleep. The whole first day it was raining, you know, and I've got all this weight on my bike and there's these ATVs that are just driving by at like 45 miles an hour, like, you know, like sliding through the mud and like tearing up the trails and just like biking along. Oh, this is so fun. Uh, you know, and so it was kind of brutal, but persevered and it ended up really great. It ended up really great. Um, so we brought, you know, uh, we brought like couscous and sardines. Sardines are actually 
a really great lunch. That's one. That's another influence of my wife because I eat sardines. I don't want to eat that. Even even now, I get these sardines. But then I actually eat it and I'm like, oh, okay, it's actually good. And it just makes you feel like this light kind of energy, you know, the omega-3s. And it just kind of like really gets you going. That So that was this is a nice thing, you know, like cliff bars and granola. Of course, you got to have a flask um, with some booze in it. You got to have some 100%, of that. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, sardines are salty. I, I, I love the salt. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, nice sardines are good. Nice sardines are good. The Matiz, Matiz, España. I love uh, that. Yeah, yeah they good. had those at the co-op. Yeah, they're good. Those are really good. I bet, actually, it's been a minute since I've been to Alimentari, but they have cool tinned Oh, yeah. Fish. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. Uh, talk about a place where I just go crazy. I go in there for one thing. I come out with like eight. Yeah. What happened? I don't know. Yeah. They're great people there, too. They're great, great people. It sounds like the ATVs are the jet skis of the forest. Yeah, well, absolutely. And, you know, it's like obnoxious. Like it is. And, you know, it's like total. You're because, okay, you're, you're in the North Woods of Wisconsin, which is mm-hmm. the Boreal Forest. It's a taiga. It's a beautiful, pristine environment. And then, you know, yeah, there's like going by noise pollution, air pollution, but in the same time, looks pretty fun. <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> that's the thing. Like when you're on your canoe, you're like, you know, I think a normal person, a regular, you know, pleasant individual on the land gets on a jet ski and becomes just kind of a douchebag. I don't know, just a theory. <laughs> Empowered. I I feel the same way about Heelys, little ah! shoes with wheels in them. Like though, like every single kid that has one, I'm like, that kid's a jerk. <laughs> like you just know that kid's a jerk. Yeah. In in some way or other, but it's also like, man, I. What kind of do, do they make them in my what size? Kind of you know? <laughs> <laughs> kind of rolling up. Yep. It's like we were coming out of Costco. We did a big trip to Costco to get you know some things for our deep freeze. And my partner just like jumped on the back of the cart and rolled through the parking lot. And I thought, right, that's what you do. Fun. Yeah. That's fun. I like to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to ask on your Instagram, you noted that some people will ask you for like the slice shot or whatever. And you're like, I have two hands. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this time I've got four. So I can, you know, do it this way. Have you, are there things that you've learned? having done Instagram videos for a little while now that you're better at now than you used to be or things that you've learned to do that you didn't know how to do before you started it? Well, I think my camera work, my content generally sucks. I don't get why people even like it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It doesn't. But yeah, yeah, like there's things yet like, well, and it's funny too, because like the, you know, I just started doing this one day and then, I like I was out on the porch and like I was like, oh my god, this thing looks so good. You should so you should show some people and talk about it. Okay, I'll do it. I did it. And uh, I did it a couple more times over a couple over like a few weeks. And then I would get these DMs like, oh, where's the content? I'm like, what? <laughs> what content? <gasps> like a stupid Instagram with like 300 followers. What are you talking about? What do you want from me? 
but people kept asking. I was like, oh, well, this is kind of fun. So I kept doing it and I'm still doing it. I haven't stopped since. Uh, but yeah, you know, you get used to it and, you know, you get a little bit better with the camera and I, I don't like to do multiple takes. I don't do multiple takes. So if I like, you'll see, I stumble over my words constantly. I can't remember what the hell I put in it. I'm like sitting there. I'm like looking at my wife. I'm like, oh, look, the green peppercorns. And she's like, yeah, what? Okay. Yeah. And, you know, so I'll just like do it. I'll throw the take on there. But yeah, I don't know. I don't really have an answer. I guess I've gotten kind of better. Do you, do you think of yourself as an influencer in, in a way? I know that's kind of a loaded term. But, you know, I mean, like, like you said, I mean, people are, you know, asking for, you know, content. <laughs> yeah. And I'll give it to them. There you give go. the people what they want. They want it. Give it to them. Uh, <laughs> I am still accepting donations. You can send me money if you want. If you, <laughs> if you, if you are a brand yeah. out there and you want to send me some money, that's fine, too. But it better be good because I'm not I'm not going to go on there and tell and pretend like something's good when it's not. I'm not going to do that. Got principles. Uh, but it's fascinating to me. Yeah, no, it's fascinating to me. Just all social media, Instagram, um, the world today and the internet and the possibilities and the shit that people do and don't do and what they like and what they don't like and what they expect. And I'm just kind of like, you know, floating. Like, I don't have that. I don't have that many followers. I had like, I, I, I don't think I ever will. And I, it's not really the point. The point is, is just kind of like keep my followers who are watching, like enjoying it and laughing and having fun um, and maybe trying some things, trying some things and like cooking this. Like, I love it when people tag me like, oh, Kevin, I'm making this thing. Like, oh, check it out. Like, I love that. That's so much fun. Um, or they just DM me or they ask me like, oh. Like, what kind of, like, I want some pasta tonight. Like, what should I cook? I'm like, oh, this is great. I love that. That's fun. I've been doing thing, then fine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. You can call me whatever you want. It's America. <laughs> it's America. I don't care. Are there any posts that you've done that, like, you know, took off that, that surprised you? Or have there been any times where you've tried to kind of chase that high and it didn't work? Or... I don't want to get necessarily too into the nitty gritty of social media marketing nonsense, but no, nothing's really kicked off. And the thing I, I think it's cause like, I don't know how to like do camera work well. And like, I'm not gonna, I'm trying to eat. Like I'm, I'm cooking and I'm entertaining you, but I'm also trying to eat, you know? And my wife's sitting there like, Kevin, Katie, wrap it up. I don't care. She has to see it every day. Her and my older brother, my two biggest critics, they're like, Hey, you should really spice it up. I don't like you gotta you gotta do some more. It's the same thing again and again. I'm like, oh, I don't know. People like it. What do you want from me? You know? <laughs> um, so no, nothing's really gone viral. Um it's been fun when people I admire will reshare me. Uh like uh this guy, Frank Prisonzano. I mean, he's basically just like a, a grown-up, way more legit version of me to be honest with you. He's got like three great restaurants in New York city. He does just super long videos, very in depth in his methods. And he's all about the philosophy of like, watch me do this, take some notes and then leave your phone in the other room and try to do it yourself. Um, and I love it. It's great. So that's fun. I am looking forward to watching that. I just 
linked it up for myself yeah. for later. Yeah, Frank Prisanzano, he's great. He will respond to anyone too, anyone and everyone. It's crazy. That's great though. Yeah, I love That's it. Real. Exactly. I love that. I love that. And there's other people, I'm not going to name names. I'm not that kind of person, but uh, I would tag them, nothing. And I see they're sharing some, I'm like, what the hell? What, what, why isn't mine good enough? Okay, fine. Whatever. Whatever. You know? So what? So what? I think part of the reason that I wanted to talk to you is because it feels rare now that someone is doing something entertaining and genuinely passionate around food that isn't associated with a restaurant, a brand, a, you know, that they're trying to like build their own influencer community, whatever. I could name names. I probably should not. But but it, it feels genuine and it's genuinely entertaining. And it doesn't seem like you're affiliated with a brand or a restaurant or a business. It just seems like you're into it. And so I thought, well, what's this guy's story? He's got to be attached to something that I just don't see yet. Right. And I, I kind of love that it's just, I love cooking. It's meditative for me, especially during this pandemic. This is a place where we can find a bit of joy, a bit of, you know, comfort, a, a bit of a place to fail where it's kind of safe to do that. Like you fail and you wreck dinner and it kind of sucks, but then you're learning. And it, it just, it feels like it's, it's refreshing. And I don't mean to sound weird by saying that I just, it's refreshing, I think. And it, it feels like it doesn't happen as much as maybe it did in the earlier days of social media. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, my two biggest fans are my mom and my grandma. And, <laughs> I love uh, it. You know, so I wanted to stay that way, basically. No, and I, yeah, I I appreciate you saying that. That's very cool. Uh, that's exactly what I what I wanted to be, really. Uh, yeah, and you know, because it's like, and that's the whole thing: getting back to mistakes and making yourself look stupid. I'm very willing to do that because I think that's important. I think people take themselves much too seriously. That's the whole thing with recipes. You're taking the recipe too seriously. You're taking the outcome of this dinner too seriously. Think about like your guests, they don't really care if your steak's not medium rare. I care. And the steak better be medium rare. <laughs> it's not medium rare. Okay. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. But again, yeah, no. It's like just kind of, you know, you, you just, you're only going to live one time. Um, you need to be able to laugh at yourself. You should yeah. laugh at yourself as much as you possibly can. For sure. Yeah. Well, remind people where they can find you, if you would. At Heavy Kevy 24. That's that 24 is Kobe Bryant. That's Kobe Bryant. Okay. Um, he holds himself to a standard of excellence. He held himself, rest in peace, uh, to a standard of, of excellence and repetition uh, of getting better every day, you know, that we can all aspire to. So that's the 24, Heavy Kevy 24. Also, there's some Yahoo who's at Heavy Kevy. Just anyways. So Heavy Kevy 24 on Instagram. I think there, there's a Heavy Kevy when I, I was Googling you trying to find, you know, anything. And there's a Heavy Kevy who I think is like a like a wing eating champion or something like that who like <laughs> passed away recently also. That, I mean, oh, my God. I, that's not the Yahoo I was talking about. I, no, no, no. I thought some guy that's like flexing his biceps and like the pictures. And was, uh, you're the wrong kind of heavy, my friends. That's not what we're looking for. No. Winging champ. That sounds great. I like that. <laughs> 
Thank you very much for making time for this today. Thank you for having me. I had a lot of fun. This has been The Corner Table, a podcast about food and drink in Madison, Wisconsin, produced by the Capital Times. Patrick Christians composed our music, and Natalie Yar edits the show. We are going to be dropping episodes every other week, and they'll be available wherever you get your podcasts. You can, as always, find Lindsay and I on Twitter. We've got a Corner Table Facebook page out there that we are determined to be more devoted to. Uh, And just a quick plug for Just To Be Nominated, which is a movie podcast that I co-host. This week, we've been talking about literary adaptations. Uh, Did we mention Stephen King? You better believe he comes up. We are currently in the middle of Cap Times Idea Fest, so check out my recent Rethinking Restaurants panel with Dave, Heidi, and Francesca Hong. That's available now on YouTube and at captimesideafest.com. I am Lindsay Christians, food editor and panel hoster. And I am Chris Lay, Stephen King movie opinion haver. And our wish for you this week is apple anything. Apple cider, apple donuts. I'm eating like two, three apples a day, and I'm super happy. Cheers! Cheers! Corner table. Corner table. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm a Schwarzenegger. <laughs> That's perfect. Okay. I'm going to pump you up. I feel like you're listening to the corner table. This podcast has been brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Once again, be sure to learn more at exactsciences.com.